to the Bagland Podcast. This is Bagland DP, where we discuss politics, tech, and tangibles. If it's not about that, I don't want to hear it. Promoting these black-owned businesses tonight. Phil Solomon Restoration, LLC. Get your wall repair, toilet insulation, cabinets, doors, sinks, painting, carpentry. Call 612-298-9852. He's trying to help out some foundational black Americans. 15 to 20 hours per week, $15 an hour, start time at 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Go to Sizzling Wagon, which is a great food truck, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. in downtown Minneapolis, serving on a lockdown as well. Call 475-0713. That's 612-475-0713 for takeout. Go to www.beingblackinit.com to get into the information technology game, now on Amazon Prime. Go to Inns Beauty and Supplies. That's 615 66th Avenue, Brooklyn Park. Avenue North, Brooklyn Park. It's open every day, 10 a.m. to uh, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day. Go to www.catwalkfierce.com to get your makeup consultations done. Go to www.accelerateclasses.com to get your Excel, Python, Data Science, SQL, Aura coding in your boot camps. Go to my man Sin Beats, P S Y N Beats, www.sinbeats. Scores, films, movies, cartoons, devices. Have your ass cap for BMI ready. Go to www.onpointarmsllc.com to get your firearms. You're going to need them. Go to www.ibonamass.com to get your certified KN95 mask. Go to thesafetypouch.com that keeps your wallet in no reaching distance if the race soldiers pull you over. And go to www.tcmobilecarwash.com, appointment only. Excellent work in the Twin Cities. Call 612-800-2772. You're listening to the sounds of Jay Diggs, the WAP remix. I think that, you know what? You know who I want my hearing on this? Short Dog. If you, I'm saying if they're going to do a remix on the WAP, I still ain't heard the original song. But if they're going to do a remix on the WAP, they got to have none other than Sugar Free and Short Dog. It wouldn't be right. That's exactly who they should have. This is an excellent remix. I hope they work with his brother. He brought that 80 sound, them synths. But anyway, tonight, what we're going to be covering is this is episode 51. Dusty, Demonic, and Ungrateful. This is Serial Hood Hitters Part 3. And I think that it was very appropriate to bring up this topic given some of the the current events that's been going on I thought it was an excellent topic to bring up tonight 
dusty and ungrateful. Dusty, demonic, and ungrateful. See, anytime you don't have any suspects for a backdoor party, for anybody that doesn't know what a backdoor party is, you're hanging out with some people and then you wind up, you know, you wind up somewhere at a party or something. You know, a lot of people, this is old news. Rest in peace to 051 Melly, brother out of Chicago, known street guy. He got crossed out at, you know, in a, at a backdoor party. He was somewhere in Chicago with his homies and it's always with your homies. And some dudes killed him. The only way they will be able to hit this dude is if they were able to get him comfortable, which means that it was somebody you knew. So you have to assume it's someone you know and it's an inside job. Look at that other case when a person somebody got their taxes they were working with some people at a job and they just got some tax money back and their co-workers murdered them so now we have to classify those kind of people doing those serial hood hitter jobs called dust bunnies dusty demonic and ungrateful I'm talking about Sahara Desert Dusty now an article that I wanted to talk about starting off with one of the dustiest and most demonic and ungrateful serial hood hitters was everyone was talking about the sweetie pie situation it was a sister that had that that has a business down in St. Louis a soul food restaurant she's been on Oprah uh, okra <laughs> she's been on a Harpo beat me Harpo she's been on Oprah's uh, show a few times I believe turns out her dusty demonic and ungrateful son killed his own nephew now I want to peel back some of the layers a little bit anytime that you have a murder for hire plot on your own nephew that means you had no love for your family at all in general you had no love for your mother because you just murdered your mother's grandson you had no love for your sister or brother whether it would have been your you know so you've been plotting on them a long time you've had a lot of disdain and dust in your heart for a long time this hasn't been something that you just plotted and just thought about it for the last couple weeks you've been probably thinking about this for years You've been hypnotized with hatred a long time. And there's an article where this came out on the 26th in the year of our Lord, August 26, 2020. And it says that customers react after welcome, welcome to Sweetie Pie star charged in a murder for hire plot on his nephew. For years, James Tim Norm Norman walked the line alongside his mother Robbie Montgomery at her Sweetie Pie Soul Food Restaurant in St. Louis. Remember when I did a couple of those I did a couple episodes where I talked about 
Darren Seals, a rider out of Ferguson. St. Louis is rough. You got to have a lot of heart to make it out of there. Now, this, this sister here, she put her dusty, demonic, and ungrateful son, put him in the business, gave him a job. This nigga didn't really have shit going on. You see what I mean? She was trying to help her. She was trying to help her grandson out. You dig? Now, one of the people, one of the residents said the original business here in the Grove neighborhood on Manchester closed four years ago. However, Montgomery's upper crust location in Grand Center is still a popular place. She said it was a great experience, and after I moved here from Memphis, it's one of the first places I just had to go by. I love the food. I love Miss Robbie. Now, Montgomery's successful restaurant was the center of a hit reality show on the Oprah Winfrey Network for seven seasons. Now, Tim was a regular star. He later moved to Jackson, Mississippi and launched his own Sweetie Pies. So many years ago, Andre Montgomery Jr. was shot and killed. He was 21 years old, shot and killed in North St. Louis. Now, federal authorities said in 2014, Norman fraudulently obtained a $450,000 life insurance policy on his nephew. On Norman, which was the sole beneficiary. Investigators said two years ago, later Norman conspired with Terrica Ellis, an exotic dancer from Memphis, Tennessee, so he didn't pick them up a whore, and he used a cell phone to commit the murder for hire scheme. Norman and Ellis were both charged with conspiracy to use interstate commerce facilities in the commission of a murder for hire, resulting in the death of Norman's nephew. So, on Thursday, a grand jury indicted Norman and insurance agent. 42-year-old Wilhel Yaman, each with one count 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 of conspiracy to commit wire fraud, wire and mail fraud. And it says this this Yaman dude was a former record producer for St. Louis uh, native rapper Nelly. He ain't, he ain't got nothing to do with none of this. But it's interesting they put that up there. Now, here's another article here that came out today. Prosecutors say that Sweetie Pie's murder for hire case ties victims to theft. Testimony from a St. Louis police detective in the murder for hire case against the son of a beloved local restaurant entrepreneur implicates a victim in a large scale theft prior to his March 2016 murder. It says, according to the news partners at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, the St. Louis detective appeared at a virtual bail hearing for Ellis on Wednesday and testified that Andre Montgomery was suspected of stealing $200,000 in cash, his grandmother Robbie Montgomery's home. The detective said Ellis told investigators that Norman was upset with Andre over the alleged theft. Now, this is new information. They're saying that Andre was suspected of stealing 200 grand of, ca of cash. So his grandma had big, big money in that house. It says here in late August, Norman and Ellis were, were arrested and charged with murder for hire conspiracy. The same week, Norman and Yanam were each charged with one count of conspiracy to commit wire or mail fraud. Federal prosecutors alleged that Norman 
who operated his own Sweetie Pies in Jackson, Mississippi, took out an insurance policy. We already covered that. Then they said in March, he contacted and communicated with Ellis, the exotic dancer living in Memphis, who told Norman via cell phone she would be in St. Louis. Now, on the day prior to Montgomery's death, Norman flew to St. Louis from the L.A. area. Once the St. Louis prosecutors say both Norman and Ellis communicated with each other on burner phones. Ellis also used the phone to learn Montgomery's location and then called Norman. Now, around 8 p.m. on March 14th in the year of our Lord 2016, Montgomery was shot and killed in the 3900 block of Natural Bridge Road. Now, people, let's take a step back. Look at all this dust. This is a serial hood hitter classification. They went through and conspired and spent all that time conspiring to kill this brother. But you notice they never, the, the people that hit him and killed him, you notice they never caught up with them yet. He probably knew these dudes. These dudes were probably serial hood hitters them damn self. They probably been doing it. They probably been doing murder for hire for a long time. That's my suspicion. My suspicion is they've been doing it a long time. They were people known in the hood. And he didn't really want to do the dirty work himself. So he says, well, if you could knock off my nephew and he probably got cold feet because he didn't collect the money from the insurance claim. Now, it says information from Ellis's burner phone placed her near the scene of Montgomery's murder. After Montgomery was killed, Ellis called Norman and then drove back to Memphis. So this broad drove back to Memphis. It says prosecutors also claim Norman conspired with his insurance agent to fraudulently obtain the life insurance policy on Montgomery. In October 2014, the pair submitted three separate life insurance apps, each of them containing false info regarding Montgomery's income, net worth, medical history, employment, and family background. They said, I heard a report that came out that somebody had broken to um, Norman's mother's house, in, in Robbie's house, or somebody broke into the house, and it probably was him. He was probably looking for social security information and all that. And if he was the manager of one of them stores, it was probably easy for him to obtain that. That's why I say he probably had been scheduling this for a long time. Now, in the policy that was ultimately issued, Norman obtained a $200,000 policy with a $200,000 accidental death rider that would pay out if Montgomery died of anything besides natural causes. So that means he'd been planning that too. You dig? And a $50,000 10-year term rider that will pay out if Montgomery died within a decade of the policy being approved. If convicted on conspiracy to commit murder for hire or the murder for hire charges, Norman and Ellis could face life in prison or the death penalty. Serial hood hitter. You dig? Now... I noticed, I seen something. My wife and I was looking at something on TV and I noticed when the guy was ambushed and people were sitting in the church or whatever. I think it was like some special online. Most of the black folks start talking about you live by the sword, you die by the sword. 
You live by, you die by. Well, dude didn't live by the sword. This brother had left California to try to start a new life in St. Louis of all places. But that was the narrative they try to frame. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. I was getting a little chicken, a little Popeye's energy, a little Popeye's Negro spiritual energy. He wasn't living by the sword. This brother was trying to change his life. Graduate from high school, work at the store, work at the restaurant. See, when sadistic shitty cuz was sit, sent to ambush Nip, he was likely hypnotized with hate and also probably told to do it. Now, you don't hear much about that case anymore. Why? Dusty, demonic, and ungrateful. Now, you guys remember, I haven't heard anything new about that case when those dusty, demonic, and likely ungrateful niggas killed that sister that had that that hair store in Baltimore. She had a very nice hair store. Y'all remember that case in Baltimore? I haven't heard anything about that. Now, Wikipedia, or Wikipedia, should we say, they say that a serial killer is typically a person who murder, murders three or more people, usually in service of abnormal psychological gratification, with the murders taking place over more than a month and including a significant period of time between them. Now, while most authorities set a threshold of three murders, others extended to three, or I mean they extended to four or lessened it to two. That, that's what they say it is. Now, the English term and concept of serial killer is commonly attributed to former FBI special agent Robert Ressler, who used the term serial homicide in the year of our Lord, 1974. And he did this in a lecture at the Police Staff Academy in Brams Hill, Hampshire, England, United Kingdom. That was when that term first came out. Now, Jack the Ripper had been whacking people all the time. So if you want to define serial killer, we could even define it back to the plantations. We could, we could go back into the 1700s and the 1800s where black people were getting murdered. Now, Jack the Ripper, he was unidentified, they say, he killed at least five women or more in London in 1888. There was a movie that was, uh, what was that movie called? It was a movie where, what is that guy's name? Let me look this up real quick. There, there was a real good movie. I think about Jack the Ripper, but what, what was his name? Jack the Ripper here. Let's look this up. I want to be correct. Let's see if we can find it. Oh, yeah. Jack the Ripper from Hell. Johnny Depp played in this movie. This was a good movie. This was a really good movie. In my opinion. Really good movie. Where uh, Jack, where he was trying to track, track down Jack the Ripper in East London. Johnny Depp. That came out in 2000, 2001. 
actually when i graduated from high school i graduated from high school in 2001 so i remember that movie that was an excellent movie that was a really good movie so they've been serial killers for a long time but back back to the serial hood hitters For you to go and of all people murder your nephew and spend all that time not collect the money then the nigga was getting on online talking about people that did this and people that did that and it took a little goofy little mug shot that says a lot about that person I'm looking at a scholarly article where they said african-american serial killers overrepresented yet under acknowledged so you know they always want to throw that in there and some guy named Alan L. Branson he was an adjunct criminal justice professor of Chestnut Hill College in Philadelphia and a police department lieutenant he wrote a scholarly article about it in February 2013 and it says here that a case study employed in the work there was some work here, it says, reveals a race-based disparity in media treatment of two multiple murderers. Now, looking up here, it says, the lack of visibility and public awareness regarding black serial killers in the U.S. was created by law enforcement agents and its symbiotic relationship with the media. And it continues to be reinforced, even if unwillingly, unwittingly. True crime books, movies, and TV shows rarely shows rarely portray black Americans as serial killers. Equally significant has been the dearth of scholarly literature on these murderers, save for work by a few social scientists, Jenkins, Hickey, and Walsh, further reducing their visibility and therefore public awareness. While the existence of black serial killers is not part of America's collective consciousness, the notoriety and celebrity existence of white serial killers remain prominent. This aspect of media portrayals among white serial murderers is even more intriguing since the aforementioned offenders are deceased, yet they remain prominent figures in serial killer lore. Now black folks role as serial killers however reveals that despite the fact that they are overrepresented among the known serial killers they remain virtually absent in contemporary pop culture. So they don't really make no movies on no niggas. Now he's saying that that doesn't mean that there ain't no serial killer niggas. This is a, a very interesting scholarly article here. Very, very long. So I'm not gonna go into it much. But then again, there could be some other serial killers. And of course, Negroes gonna say I'm wrong and on the wrong side. But how about the ones, niggas that want a body for the set? How about that? See, when you start bringing up the conversation of black people killing each other, there's a lot of deflection in that. So when you get the shitty cousins involved, niggas want to act like, well, you know, and this, that, and the third, and it's kind of like, well, that nigga wasn't even supposed to be around. 
it's too often that the serial hood hitter gets to move freely through the neighborhood. I've talked about this. This is the third episode where I talked about this. The serial hood hitter is able to freely move through the neighborhood. And speaking of serial hood hitters, that just don't apply to niggas. It's specific to the race soldiers. They're the ultimate serial hood hitters. Look at the Kenosha race soldiers. See, black folks, you know, they'll say, well, they, they're out of control. They're out of control right now. No, they have always been there. And they're doing exactly what they've been subscribed to do. You see them at the doctor. You see them in grocery stores, your police department, your district attorneys. Niggas want to act like, well, Donald is the reason. Nigga, okay. It might help. But the issue is race soldiers been executing black folks 25 years before we had smartphones and cameras. It's been Karens and Carolyn and Bryant's to help execute us and etc. And it's been more race soldiers to make sure an assassin leaves town before he's even arrested. Remember, one in three of FBI was Klan affiliated. This was a report that came out some time ago by an undercover FBI agent. Let me see if I can pull this article up. Let me see if I can pull this article up because I've been squawking about this for a while. Hold on. Is this it here? I think I found it. Hold up. And this is in 1976. And this is the Klan, a report to the Illinois General Assembly by the Illinois Legislative Investigating Commission, October 1976. All right, so let me go into... This is a very interesting article. I think I may have to save this. Yeah, we'll have to cover this another time. But this is an interesting article. Let me see if I can't go... Hold on, wait a minute. Let's figure this out. This is some new, this is some new breaking news here on the Bagland podcast. So let, let's, okay, let, let's look at the table of contents. That's the first thing you do when you get an article. Now they got the the, the origin of the Klan, decline of the Klan, romanticizing the Klan, the 1950s Klan revival, the FBI investigation breaks the Klan. Oh man, yeah, this is a very interesting article. We'll, they, they got an oath taken by a Klansman. A Klansman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to check this out next time. Okay, let's see if we can find another article about this. Now, this is through the, AT, the ADL, so we got to take this for what it's worth. I'm trying to find that article. There was there was an FBI agent that went undercover and he was basically saying, so let, let's just get into something else here. We want to talk about the hood hitters, right? Now, if you're affiliated, you're a member. 
membership is not based on how you feel at the moment when you a nigga in the hood and you are seen with members and people automatically gonna affiliate you whether you banging or not so in the words of my old report banging since the 1500s they are affiliated they're ambushing they're planning and etc they're all in cahoots they're all in cahoots you seen what happened in kenosha Remember episode one of Lovecraft Country? Tick was getting out of one sundown county and to another, and the sheriff let him go to the so-called safe town. Who was waiting for him? Answer that question. Who was waiting for him during that time? And notice how they had it all planned for an execution. You Negroes committed a crime. We know you didn't do it, but you're black, and that works for us. And Ida B. Wells used to talk about that in her lynching uh, reports a lot. Now, let's look at this. Let's look at this old case right here. In the Laquan McDonald case, they took four Latin people in custody and they tried to make they tried to make them make up a story. Now, Mr. McDonald was shot 14, 17 times. Now they threatened him with jail time and they asked the same questions over and over. The Latin people I'm talking about once they got them in custody because what they did is they seen the police shoot him and once he was on the ground, they kept on shooting him. You dig? They kept shooting him over and over. So they shot him 17 times. So they were able to use state state sanctioned genocidal tactics and ambush lynchings and then any eyewitness they will punish and intimidate that's gang shit right serial hood hitters see the autopsy is the last standing statement of the dead that's the dead's last words and they try to override that they're trying to do that right now with mr floyd up here they're trying to figure out a way to say, well, you know, he had this in his system, so he's culpable for a 200-pound man to put his knee on his neck. It's his fault. It's a, it's a classic I'm white and I say so statement. I say he has something in his system and he is responsible for not being able to breathe with a big knee to his neck. That's really what they're saying when they make that statement. Now, going back to this case here, activists in Chicago for the Laquan McDonald case, they requested the tape. There was video footage of what occurred to this brother. A Freedom of Information request, a fr the Freedom of Information Act request. It's supposed to be your constitutional right to obtain it. This is your right. Now, the PD, of course, denied the, they call it the FOIA, the FOIA request. And Obama didn't do anything to support the genocidal ambush killing of black folks. He didn't help. And, you know, the city wanted to settle and not release the video. Now, the judge eventually said the video could not be withheld. So then they issued a task force to restore trust. And, you know, that's old, some, some more of this HR 40 garbage. Let's put a task force and let's have a meeting. Let's have a lunch. Let's restore trust, but no direct and explicit punishment. 
just like the bullshit anti-lynching laws that the do-nothing demonic dims and the GOP so-called has. And everyone in Chicago knew this was a cover-up, even the megalomaniacal masochistic mainstream media. You had somebody from the megalomaniacal media, she came out and admitted it. Yeah, this is a cover-up. Everybody knew it was a cover-up. From Marvin Martian to the earthworms in the damn soil, knew it was a fucking cover-up. Now, one cop broke the code of silence, and one of the police said back in the day, they would have never left him off leave the block. So at first they were saying there's no blue code of silence. Y'all need to watch this documentary on HBO, the Laquan McDonald case. I'm trying to remember the uh the title, but look that up on HBO. HBO has a lot of pretty good documentaries, and even if they're not that great, you get a lot of insight on how they play this. They play both sides and see they're taking both sides of the argument, like Neely Fuller says. They try to say, ain't no, the chief try to say, ain't no code of silence. But then now you got a guy talking about, well, all of a sudden there's a code of silence. See, w the reason why that cop ended up getting convicted of, of, of ambushing and lynching Laquan McDonald is because another cop got off code and basically said, hey, this dude wasn't no threat. I didn't see him do anything to this race soldier. And, all, and, and now you got one police talking about now it's a code of silence. If we would have caught him back in the day, he would have never left the precinct. They would have did him in. That's what they were saying. So Van Dyke executed that kid. They followed this kid and ambushed him as far as I'm concerned. Now I seen Van Dyke looking, and Van Dyke's the race soldier that, 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 that killed him. Van Dyke was looking all nervous on the witness stand. I'm like, okay, what you looking nervous for? Because for the first time in Cook County, a race soldier was charged with murdering a black person and was convicted. Then let's open this up. He got his ass whooped in custody. The New York Times reported that he was beaten by inmates, says his lawyer. Let me see if I can pull up this article. It's trying to make me pay for it. They whooped his ass. He got his ass whooped. Ain't no telling what's happening to him right now. See, they run the house. Niggas run the house in Illinois. They gave him a good ass whooping. Here's another article I want to look at here. Close out of this thing. Okay. Oh, nope. Here, here it is. Now I got the article. I pulled it up. The New York Times can't. And the King Kong ain't got shit on me. February 14, 2019. Jason Van Dyke, ex-officer or race soldier, should I say, who killed teenagers beaten by inmates. Fellow inmates battered Jason Van Dyke, the, the white former race soldier convicted of murdering a black teenager shortly after his arrival at federal prison in Connecticut. So soon as he got to Connecticut, this wasn't in Chicago, they whooped his ass. His lawyers and his wife said Van Dyke was sentenced in January to nearly seven years in prison, which wasn't shit. In the 2014 shooting death of Laquan McDonald was transferred last week from an Illinois prison to the Fed Penitentiary in Danbury, Connecticut. Bruises in the face was expected to recover. Then they said, 
One of his lawyers said, we're just asking that Jason Van Dyke be allowed to serve his time. He's a tough man. He'll go in there and serve his sentence to keep his mouth shut, but he needs to be protected because he can't protect himself in there. Did, did you allow any protection for Laquan McDonald? Did you allow any protection for that brother? No. Before you, before you filled him up with 17 bullets, did you do that? His lawyer said he's a tough man. Okay, since you're a tough cookie, then you should be able to serve your sentence. Talking about he keeps his mouth shut. He better keep his mouth shut. See, you're not you're not out here in the world anymore. You can't talk to niggas like you. You, you get your ass whooped is exactly what happened. Talking about he should be allowed to serve his time. Serve your damn time. Talking about you need to be protected. In assault resulting resulting in minor injuries. Then they said his security has been a frequent concern of law enforcement authorities in the years since he was charged. While in state prison in Illinois, he was held in isolation and had no problems with other inmates. Then they said the attack at Connecticut came on the same day he was placed in the general population, they said. The lawyer said he had been relocated to a segregated housing unit where he stays in his cell 23 hours a day. Well, that's how you going to do your time, punk ass. You dig? So they said this was in 2019. You murdered this brother in 2014. You've been able to go on with your life. And you get, get you a little ass whooping. You get touched up. This nigga had to wear a vest when he was going to trial. Now, this article, like I said, it was February 14th, 2019. And it said here, after his conviction last year, he was transferred out of Chicago to a jail in Western Illinois to await sentencing. They said he reported death threats and his wife told the judge that she feared her husband would not survive a prison stunt. So look, look how long it took for him to go to prison. He killed this, he assassinated this brother in 2014. So in a couple years, he's gonna be he's gonna be coming home. That's all he got was seven years for murdering this black man. That's all he got. Now listen to this. These boogaloos, these boogaloos has been talking about they want to hang out and oh let's let's hang out with the Black Lives Matter activists and I'm you niggas is goofies if you go out here fucking with these people. Alleged boogaloo boy arrested over threats to top South Bay health official. Officers from the Santa Clara Clara County Sheriff's officer arrested Allen. Via Ringo, 55, this nigga old as hell, last week sizing a large cache of firearms and explosives from his family's home, according to a bail motion filed by Santa Clara County prosecutors. They found 100 firearms, assault rifles, explosives, thousands of rounds of ammunition, tools for manufacturing ammunition, Confederate flags. They said he was charged with felony counts of stalking and harassing a public official and has not yet entered a plea. Now, alleged Boogaloo members were charged earlier this year in the murder of federal security officer Dave Underwood at Oakland's federal building and the ambush killing of Santa Cruz's County Sheriff Sergeant 
Damon Gutswire and Ben Leman. They say Viarango was sending harassing letters to the Santa Cruz County Sheriff's Office. According to the police report. Now, something gets panned out. I don't know why this article didn't say this little janky export. But basically, with this dude, he sent this letter basically saying that telling people it's like a little manifesto saying you know enable violence against public officials and their families uh regularly remind everyone that the constitution is not suspended during times of crisis and your city little silly little orders are not enforceable by law uh he was telling people to subversively spread defiance to authority particularly contempt for the court and courts and law enforcement to make their jobs more difficult in turn they react in a more fascist way which creates a snowball effect look no further than the george floyd riots for which i take credit without ever casting a stone then he said fuck all authority and you enjoy the boogaloo this is barbaric talk they're telling they're telling you they start talking about the constitution then they start talking about we're not going to abide by enforcement of the law You dig? See, this is how the white supremacist is thinking. I don't have to abide by the law. I don't have to abide by the law. I'm white. But we're going to bring this constitution in here. But don't abide by the law. And use use the George Floyd situation to basically... See, look, they didn't kill two officers already. They know about these people. That's why when you start seeing all when you start seeing all these black folks, they're being ambushed and assassinated. Sandra Bland, when you seeing the, the sister down there in Dallas, um, Bolton John and his hugging ass family, when Bolton John was was assassinated in his home for sitting there eating in the comfort of his home. When you when you hear about all these lynchings and ambushes by these race soldiers, and then you hear something like this, you're like these folks are sending letters to people they said they're not gonna abide by the law they're basically conspiring ambush murders they're conspiring against the united states of america and they're not being arrested the sound the the santa clara county health department declined to comment on the case of course they did they did then they said that this dude posted bail on friday and was remanded back in custody by the judge and was led away in handcuffs. Now think about this. He's threatening public officials. He's got all types of choppers, explosives. I'm telling you, if this would have been Jerome or Kanisha, niggas would have never got out of jail. And people start talking about ain't no white privilege. Get the hell out of here. It says Deputy District Attorney Alexander Adams said the decision to remand via Ringo was based on several factors, quoting, that was based on both the nature of his letters he sent to the victim, as well as the excess, it being in excess of 100 firearms or thousands of rounds of ammunition and explosives. He wasn't charged with any of that. I mean, man, this is telling you everything you need to know. It says... They say that they believe him to be, they believe him to have sent a series of 24 threatening letters between April 8th and July 29th, threatening people. 
talking about they want to spark a bloody revolution. You're done. It's over with threatening, saying he was going to kill people. Talking about make America great again. Keep America great. I'm with the right wing. He had a Confederate flag. Like, th th this is really... This is really pretty much the goulash of white supremacy right here. And they gave him bail. That's even more information. That's that's even that's more that's even more reason. Here's a new report that just came up just now. Somebody just sent me this by the, Huff, by the Huffington Post. White House orders end of un-American racial sensitivity training at federal agencies. Now, some people may have an issue with this, but the thing is, racial sensitivity trainings do not work. If you're a white supremacist, you cannot be reformed. It says contracts for training that mention white privilege must be canceled immediately. Demands memo forwarding orders from the president. The Trump administration has issued a memo ordering federal agencies to end racial sensitivity training, declaring it un-American propaganda, according to a document obtained by the Washington Post. Now they say it's a two-page memo released that Donald J. with the two-page seeks to prevent federal agencies from spending millions of taxpayers' dollars on the training sessions, and that any contracts involving instruction on white privilege or critical race theory be canceled immediately if possible. Now it says, quote here, the president has directed me to ensure that federal agencies cease and desist from using taxpayer dollars to fund these divisive un-American propaganda training sessions, states a memo written by office and management and budget director Russell something. Hold on, let me see if I can go back in this real quick. Yeah, see... We got all of this going on, and, and and let's be very let's be very very clear. That was for black folks. These environments are very very toxic for black folks. Black people have to experience because it wasn't for the LGBT. This wasn't for illegals and LGBT. They got special programs protecting them. You can't say nothing about these people. That was for black folks. That was a dog whistle. Well, you know, we got to get him out of office. And we going to have that with Jim Crow and Crime Koala times 50. And they going, they, they just won't send a letter. They'll just get the shit going. They won't send the letter. We running around here acting like if they get in, it ain't going to be no problems like that. It's going to be 10 times worse if they get in. The Department of Justice, headed by Crime Koala, that had well over two, three decades of anti-black disrespect, laughing at black people for locking them up and all that, man, hell no. You think that's bad? What I just read you that memo, that's going to be 50 times worse if Jim Crow Biden gets in. That's very, very interesting. Let me see what else I got. 
Let's get back to the serial hood hitters. Let me see what we got here. We won't read that article. Hold on. Hold on. Now, this is from Mueller. Serial murder, multidisciplinary perspectives for investigators. Did it? Now, this should be, they should actually have a report going out about the race soldiers. That's how it should be. But hold on, before we get into that, let's, let me get this other article here. Let me find this other article real quick. Let me see if I can find this other article. This is the old article. Hold on. Here we go. Now this is by the Guardian. Now this this has been something I've been talking about with people and family members for a long time. This came out on in the year of our Lord 2020, August 27th on Thursday. White supremacists and militias have infiltrated police across the U.S., the report says. A former FBI agent has documented links between serving officers and racist militant activities in more than a dozen states. White supremacist groups have infiltrated U.S. law enforcement in every region of the country over the last two decades. It's been way before that. It's been since the Panthers they've been doing that, but now they're just coming out saying it. Now... In a timely new analysis, Michael German, a former FBI agent who has written extensively on the ways that U.S. law enforcement have failed to respond to far-right domestic terror threats, concludes that U.S. law enforcement officials have been tied to racist militant activities in more than a dozen states since 2000. And hundreds of police officers have been caught posting racist and bigoted social media content. Now listen, the report notes that over the years, police links to militias and white supremacist groups have been uncovered in states including Alabama, California, Connecticut, Florida, Illinois, Louisiana, Michigan, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas, Virginia, Washington, and West Virginia. They should include Minnesota as well. I guarantee you all those dudes that was protecting Chauvin at his house that night where they didn't identify themselves. I bet you all of them had ties to, to white supremacist groups. See, some people want to make it seem like it's the big boogeyman. Oh, well, you know, they just, they're hanging from a tree and they hop out like Dracula. And it's no, it's regular everyday people. You wouldn't even know half the time. These dudes be connected. You find these brothers out there in California hanging from trees and you think it's just some, well, these niggas in a pickup truck. No, it be law enforcement. Police in Sacramento, California in 2018, they work with neo-Nazis to pursue charges against anti-racist activists, including some who had been stabbed. And just this summer, German writes, an Orange County Sheriff's deputy and a Chicago policeman were caught wearing far-right militia logos. An Olympia Washington officer was photographed posing with a militia group, and Philadelphia police officers were filmed standing by Films standing by white armed mobs attacking protesters and journalists, just like what happened in Kenosha. Kyle Rittenhouse plugged in with the law enforcement. They're all plugged in. You ain't gonna get no justice out here. Niggas better stop trying to make people think that their lives matter. Stop trying to convince the people that they, that they, they don't give a fuck about black lives. You better protect yourself. 
Don't nobody give a damn about black lives. You ain't got to convince nobody that. That's black folks' number one problem, trying to convince other people that, like, they give a damn about you. Like, they had this guy talking about, I, I told one of my homies, I told one of my homies, I said, he was, he, he had posted a, he posted something on the gram. And basically it was about a coworker, some old white dude that was at his job that asked him, why did they use the N word and this, that, and the third. And he was like, well, some people really just don't know. And I had to remind him, I told him, bro, they play dumb. They, they're not, they know. As, as the great Fuller says, by 15 years old, they know. They know a long time. When they're young, they have to know. You dig? Feel like somebody burning something outside. I don't know what that is. But they have to know. They can't not know. They have to understand white supremacy at a young age. They have to know how to use it. You see what I'm saying? So when they say, well, we don't know why you use the N word and we don't know about racism. Oh, they know very, very, very well. They're just trying to get your take on it to try to see where you're at. They want to see what type of nigga you is. See if they can pull one over on you. Hold on. Let me see here. Now, the thing about it is, if you look right here, here's another piece of the article, right? It says, now, before we get into that, I want to talk about Olympia, Washington. Now, Washington State, not Washington, D.C., Washington State has a long history of race soldiers. I've talked about that before. Do y'all remember that article? Actually, this wasn't in Washington. This was in Oregon. Do you remember that brother that got fired from his job? You remember that article I talked about in a few, some, maybe like seven episodes back. It was a brother that was working a job. He had a race soldier at his job because let's not just get caught up in law enforcement all the way. Kyle Rittenhouse is a race soldier. He's not a police, but he acts as a race soldier. This is any person that participates and upholds the system of racism, white supremacy with the sole purpose of undermining black folks and non-whites. That's the definition of a race soldier. And it doesn't matter where they work. It doesn't matter what their job or provision is or what their duties are. Their duties is to undermine non-whites, especially black folks in the system of racism, white supremacy. Now that statement I made is either true or false. It's either true or false, right? But this brother was working at like a furniture store or something like that. And his, I don't know, I'm thinking that, you know, his, his supervisor, his superior advisor was giving him a hard time. And he might've told him like, look, man, you want to treat me with, put some respect on my name. And so he fired him and the police came and gave him his termination papers. Talking about nigga, you fired. When did the police ever do something like that? So they pulled him over there, were harassing him. He ended up suing, you know, the employer. But this was in Oregon, which ain't too far from Washington. You dig? So that's a little history on Washington. Orange County Sheriff, they said. 
That's in California. California is not liberal. It's very conservative, very, very white supremacist, white supremacist ran. And it says, this is what German told the Guardian. The exact scale of ties between law enforcement and militias is hard to determine. Nobody is collecting the data and nobody is actively looking for these law enforcement officers. This is likely, I'm not sure who this guy is, but I'm pretty sure this guy is a white man. And he's saying that he worked for the FBI. So he's saying that ain't nobody really, they're all staying on cold. They're all protecting each other. My little sparkling water. You know, y'all should check out the little bootleg, super chill, sparkling water, the pomegranate berry, unsweetened, of course. Excellent choice. I like bubbly, but for three bucks, you get a 12 pack, the cub. Now it says here, officers, racist activities are often known within their departments and generally result in punishment or termination following public scandals. Report notes, few police agencies have, have explicit policies against affiliating with white supremacist groups. If police officers are disciplined, the measures often lead to protracted litigation. The term protracted litigation basically means, well, Brad, just cover your tattoos. That's really what they're saying. Cover your tattoos, Brad. Just keep it on the low. Now listen, concerns about alleged relations between far right groups and law enforcement in the US have intensified since the start of the protest movement sparked by the police killing of George Floyd. Police in states including California, Oregon, remember I said Oregon, Illinois and Washington are now facing investigations for their alleged affinity to far right groups opposing Black Lives Matter according to the report. They're not just opposing Black Lives Matter, they're just opposing black folks. When they say oppose Black Lives Matter, they're talking about opposing black folks. Now, when they talk about Illinois, remember, there was two white supremacists that came from some town in Illinois and went to Bloomington, Minnesota to go blow up like a mosque. It was the Somali brothers out there that were, you know, had some education centers and stuff like that. And they threw pipe bombs through the windows. They came from Illinois. Illinois, Oregon, California, Washington, likely Idaho, might even have some from Indiana. You dig? Then it says, German told the Guardian on Wednesday, far-right militants are allowed to engage in violence and walk away while protesters are met with violence police action. This negligent response, he added, empowers violent groups in dangerous and potentially lethal ways. The most violent elements within these far-right militant groups believe that their conduct is sanctioned by the government, and therefore they're more, much more willing to come out and engage in acts of violence against protesters. So all you protesters out there, you need to have some polls. Don't start with that John Lewis talk. Good trouble. This ain't a good trouble situation. If you gonna be out there protesting, talking about Black Lives Matter, y'all better have some polls, get you some old, old goon juice. Get you some old goon juice. Holler at Tariq Nasheed. Get some old goon juice. And get you some polls. Go to onpointarmsllc.com. You know what I'm saying? Second Amendment constitutional right to bear arms safely for self-defense 
self-defense. Don't get out there talking about, man, I'm going to go do something to a bunch of white people. Fuck all that. Self-defense. You're not targeting innocence. You're not targeting nobody. If you're going to be out there protesting, you better have some type of self-defense mechanism on you. Then it says this is growing awareness in some parts of the government about the intensifying threat of white supremacy. The FBI and the Department of Homeland Security have directly identified white supremacists as the most lethal domestic terrorist threat in the country. This is what the Homeland, the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security have said. Now, what this is saying to me, y'all, is these people are so on code and they're so woven into the inner fabric of law enforcement and your common race soldier, they don't know who they are and whoever they know, they're not really, they're giving them a slap on the wrist because they're fighting this is a race war. The black authority said this is a race war. This is a fucking race war. Niggas need to stop with this kumbaya bullshit. Oh, good trouble and all that. Y'all need to get that out your damn system. You need to leave that shit alone. That shit is very lethal. They said they're the most lethal threat in the country. According to German's report, the FBI's own internal documents have directly warned that the militia groups the agency is investigating often have active links to law enforcement. So the race soldiers can basically tell the other race soldiers that are not, that are unofficial badge benders. I'm going to call them badge benders. Shout out to the executioner squad and LAPD. The badge benders, they get inside information. Hey man, y'all are, you know, we glad y'all here that you start hearing talk like that. And yet, U.S. agencies lack a national strategy to identify white supremacist police and rule out this problem, German warned. Meanwhile, popular police reform efforts to address implicit bias have had done nothing to confront explicit racism. So what he's saying, now this is the ex-FBI agent saying this. Popular police reform to address implicit bias ain't got a goddamn thing to do with confronting systemic racism, white supremacy. He's probably run into people like this. Well, you gotta get some police reform, get crime Kamali in, get Lance bottom of the barrel in, get all these, get all these Negro tools to go in there and ignore this. Have you ever noticed that you haven't heard jumping Jim Crow 94 crime bill Joe? or Crime Koala, you haven't heard any of them talk about this report? I wonder why. I wonder fucking why. Ain't heard a word. Ain't heard a damn word. And Alice in Wonderland Caterpillar probably said more about the issue. And of course the FBI did not immediately respond to a request for comment. This is a very interesting report. Very, very interesting. Mike, Mike German. We're going to, we, hey, we going to, we going to do this on the next one here. Hold on. Let me get that report. Let me get that report. Mike German, far right violence, FBI, terrorism, hate crime. It says. Yeah, we'll, we'll read that next time. Now, it says there's currently 52 federal terrorism laws available to address entirely domestic acts of political violence. 
That's what Mike German says. Let me find out more information about Mike German. He's a former FBI agent and fellow at the Brennan Center for Justice, Brennan Center for Justice, Liberty and National Security Program. You know what? Hmm. I think I'm going to email this dude. Yeah. I'm going to have to reach out to this guy. Where is this at? Brennan Center. Yep. I'm going to email him. I'm going to get his take on the Bagland podcast. Yes, sir. I'm going to email him. I promise you guys, I'm going to get some information. Now, now remember, the Popeye Chicken Negro spiritual people was telling you, man, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a, a giant hornet invasion. It's gonna be everybody gonna get stung. So let me give you an update on that. Now, on August seventeenth, what we got here was Washington traps male Asian giant set tripping murder hornet weeks earlier than expected, and this was in the year of our Lord August seventeenth, twenty twenty. Now it says in Olympia of all places. Remember we just talked about the Olympia Washington race soldiers. They trapped a male Asian giant hornet. The first male Asian giant hornet to be detected in the United States. It was caught in a WSDA Asian giant hornet bottle trap near Custer, Whatcom County, where a mated queen was found dead earlier this year and a suspected bee kill was reported in 2019. The trap was collected in the year of our Lord, July 29th, 2020, and processed in WSDA's entomology lab on August 13th. New murder hornet information. Now, right here, I'm seeing a picture. On August 19th, the WSDA and the USDA were setting experimental traps in the Birch Bay area near where the unmated queen was trapped in July. And I'm seeing a picture here. Looks like it's about the size of a quota. It's deader than a doorknob. Then it looks like there's another one right here. Somebody said in August 19th, a member of the public posted a picture of an Asian set tripping murder hornet on Facebook. And it looked like it was alive. It was on a restaurant. They were able to get a photograph of it, but it flew away without being captured. So shout out to the Popeye Chicken Negro spiritual people and Beach Bob's talking about, well, man, we all going to get stung. It's going to be hundreds of thousands. I'm following up on you. Don't worry about the Popeye Chicken Negro spiritual people. I got you covered. Shout out to my man at the Agricultural Center that gave me that that most constructive information. The University of Washington been testing out radio tags for tracking live Asian set tripper murder hornets back to their nest. So I'm looking at a picture here and it looks like they got some type of FM transmitter which will they will likely attach to the set tripper murder hornets banging on the set. Shout out to the Asian set tripper murder hornets. And what do we got here? Oh, this is constructive. We're looking to hire two more Asian giant hornet trappers in Whatcom County immediately. Temporary positions through at least the end of October. Salary range $2,500 to $3,300 a month. So let's look at this position here. You know, I'm going to come up with something constructive. 
So you need a anybody that's in the the state of Washington, the Washington State Department of Agriculture in Olympia, Washington. I'm looking here. They call it a uh, AGH pest trapper. It's full time, temporary work. So here's the position. Within the Plant Protection Division, the pest program's mission is to protect the state's natural resources by preventing the establishment of high-risk invasive insects, plant diseases, and weeds. Under the supervision of the pest biologic bio, uh, how do you say that word? Pest biologist two or pest biologist one, the agricultural aid will follow scientific protocol to conduct invasive species survey projects. This position will be responsible to place stinging insect traps and handle live stinging insects. You might get stung. General supervision. Now, let me see here. This might be a dope ass fucking job, man. What are the requirements? Schedule four 10 hour days, Monday through Thursday. You get Friday off. The ability to use assigned technical equipment and programs, iOS devices. So you ought to know how to use a goddamn iPhone and iPad. God damn it. Hmm. Is this position approved for in training? No. Now, the qualifications, you got to have a driver's license, graduation from high school, completed courses in entomology, experience conducting scientific, conducting scientific field and data collection. A little typo there. Special requirement, willingness to work with live stinging insects and biting insects around appear Aries and active Vespa Mandarinia nest. Basically, you got to be open to hanging out with the set tripping murder uh the Japanese set tripping murder horns. For 3 racks of about 3 racks a month. I'd do that shit if I was in Washington. It's like a pretty good job, man. So no there's no invasion. That's not going on. Well, man, you know, they can actually fly up to Minnesota. No, they're still in Washington. I've been covering this for over five months. No, they're not. It's not going to be an invasion anytime soon. Back to the serial hood hitters. See, that report that I just gave you pretty much broke down when you look at the serial hood hitters. I mean, I don't know how much more information you need. So when I always tell people when I make posts online and I say, hey, look, man, when they say we need more police, you don't have any police on the force anymore. They're fired. That first clip I played with the executioner badge benders, that was a whistleblower out of LAPD. That was a whistleblower. He was basically saying they got Hispanic white supremacists with them little Nazi tattoos and they be badge bending. They do it for the set. Gang initiation. Gang, gang, gang. Whole lot of gang shit. Kill a nigga and go have some barbecue. Go have a goddamn taco. Ninety days. You know what? I think I should do a ninety day special. What y'all think? I think I'm gonna do a 90 day special because we got about approximately 90 days 
We got about 90 days before Donald J with the toupee wins again. Shout out to him for going full white supremacist. See, this is going to put niggas on their shit. This is going to put niggas on their shit heavy. We going foundational black Americans is going to have to get our shit in order. The African diaspora is going to have to get our shit in order. Even some of the coons. Now the Sambos, we can't save them. We got to let them fall by the wayside. But the Popeye's chicken, Negro spiritual people, the earth people, and the, and some of the coons, we might be able to, we might be able to revive some of these niggas. Sambos of Christmas Eve. We may have to, we may have to revive some of them niggas. And because if Donald J with the toupee gets back, that little, them little dog whistles and them memos that I was telling you about, no, it's going to be worse. Now this is a, uh, I'm not going to get into this tonight. Let me put this in my 90 days in the penal farm. That ain't shit. Police all at your mama home. I ain't voting. Yeah, 90 days. I think I might do a 90 days, man. I might do a 90 days. That ain't shit. I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a 90 day. I think I'm going to try to. I'm going to give y'all another Earth People Revisited. And a 90 days, that ain't shit. Look out for that space in the next, next couple weeks. Because... See, Ned Stock of Winterfell, he might have suspected that there might have been some Sambos and some Coons in, in his space. He might have suspected that it was some Sambos and Coons in his space. So what he started to do was he started to investigate and said, wait a minute, House Baratheon is illegitimate. See, we got a lot of King Joffrey's out of here. Jumping Jim Joffrey. That's Jim Crow Biden's new name. Jumping Jim Joffrey. He's no different than Joffrey. See, y'all think Joffrey is down with the toupee. That might be possible, but you know what? Jumping Jim Joffrey is basically coming out. He's sitting, he's, he's sitting here with his wine. And basically if you kind of look at the imp, that's kind of like the Negro. That's kind of like the Negro. When you really look at, look at this analogy here, jumping Jim Joffrey is looking at the Negro like nigga, you better vote Democrat. Matter of fact, vote for me. I'm funding more police, nigga. Vote for me. And Crime Kamala's doing the same thing. Let me get on this little Brandy versus Monica. Let me show my face like, why are you here, nigga? Everything's political. Every single step of the way is political. Every time they show up on, every time they show up when it comes to black folks, you think that we have to deal with music and entertaining. It has to be a damn party and entertaining. Why has it got to be entertaining? I thought we supposed to be intelligent black folks. Why do we have to be fucking entertained? This ain't no goddamn entertainment. 
we're voting for our lives, right? Well, you got to vote. You got to vote because your man says it's those you guys to vote. Okay. Then what the, what does music got to do with it? I'm feeling a little Harpo energy. I fixed that mailbox so I can see you ain't even looking at it. You're nothing. You're nothing. I'm feeling like this is this is some Mr. Energy. This is that Harpo. I'm getting some color purple energy going on here. I'm feeling some real color purple energy on here. Niggas is walking around like Seeley in this motherfucker. King Joffrey Jim Crow is basically trying to take over King's Landing and you want the Night's Watch, the Negro Night's Watch to save you. And we're not going to do it. I talk about this every damn podcast. We're not. Nope. Not this time. Here's something I want to talk about before we close out tonight. Is your shadow self. And when it comes to the serial hood hitters, where are they with their shadow self? How knowing your dark side can help you in life. I'm looking at an article here. It says, Carl Jung was a Swiss psychoanalyst and a psychiatrist who researched aspects of the human psyche in the first half of the 20th century. Now they say he was the president of the International Psychoanalytical Association for a period of time and it is known as the founder of analytical psychology. Now Jung's work has had a profound impact on modern psychology with some of his most important research being his exploration of the human psyche. Now Jung separates parts of our personality out into that which we're conscious of and elements that which we are unconscious of. Our conscious mind is where the ego sits and is made of the parts of our personality and identity that we are aware of. Now, according to Jung, people have personas, which are an aspect of personality that comes from a desire to please or be accepted by others, crime koala. I want to be accepted by the white supremacist dominant society, so I will punish these Negroes, giving them little marijuana charges, giving niggas these long sentences and not punishing the race soldiers, race soldiers. So they said, if you have ever had a social mass that puts you in, a, in specific situations, such as when you're with friends, family, or at work, then you will be able to relate to this. Now, the trouble with personas, according to Jung, is that it can lead to aspects of one's personality, both good and bad, being unexplored, underdeveloped, and suppressed. Through a desire to please others, we focus on our qualities, which will which we perceive to be acceptable by others and hide the parts of, of ourselves which we believe to be negative. Jung referred to this suppressed side of the personality as the shadow or the shadow self. The parts of ourselves that we think society will disapprove of which are pushed away into our unconscious. So what is your shadow self? The serial hood hitter the race soldier, the sweetie pie Tim, or whatever the hell that nigga's name, dusty, demonic, and ungrateful. What part of the shadow self are they in? I hope you enjoyed tonight's Bagland podcast episode. We gonna get some new episodes to you ASAP. Bagland.